to another episode of the Big Knowledge Football Dynasty Podcast. I'm Sonny and I'm your host. Today's episode is somewhat of an impromptu episode. In fact, I was doing some research earlier today. Um, I've been looking into uh, some of these coaching changes as far as uh, different teams, different coordinators, wh- what kind of things might affect um, some of the play calling and, and just usage of players coming into the season. And I was, I think at first I was just thinking, okay, I'll just do some research on the major ones and, and then come up with, you know, a podcast summarizing them all. But what I found is one of the very first teams I looked at, I found a lot of things that I thought, man, I could really come up with almost the whole podcast just for this one team. Um, so that's what I'm going to do is actually put out this little podcast right here. Um, in fact, I have a second segment, which will be just one rookie player comp um, that will kind of core, you know, tie in or correlate with this this episode as well. So the team that I was looking at is the Tennessee Titans. Um, and it just so happened I was, I was scrolling through. I think, you know, honestly, it was Sporting News was, I think, the one that I found the best. I was looking for just the lists of where I could find basically what, what changes, what coordinators, defensive coordinators, coaches – more changed. I found lists on ESPN, I think NFL, there was different ones, but honestly, Sporting News really seemed, they nailed it, so credit to them. And when I found that one, I was like, wow, they really organized this well. You could see they highlighted the names of the ones that had changed and kept, you know, the other ones the same. So you could just really clearly see what had changed. And so credit to them, that was, that was cool. That was what I actually, how I was able to find um, and, and most easily navigate through the the changes of the coaching staff. So anyway, I came across Tennessee, and I thought to myself, you know, what what are these changes here? Mike Vrabel is the head coach. Um, so he came from the, the New England originally as a player, and then he was, I think he was a linebacker coach, and then became defensive coordinator for the, t- the Texans. Um, and then they really weren't that great of a defense down the stretch last year. Even, but I saw some stuff with him. I think it was Hard Knocks or somewhere. He seemed like he kind of was a leader of men. Um, so it's an interesting hire. I think that uh, he definitely seems like a kind of guy that could be a cutting-edge kind of guy and, and more of a leader of men than, than necessarily just a defensive-minded coach because when you first hear that, you go, oh, he's like a linebacker. Okay, he'd just be totally defensive-minded. But he might be the right fit or the right you know balance of – of leadership and still having some awareness. So what I looked at when that, the, the interesting, I think the other thing about that is he hired uh, Dean Pease. He was coordinator, uh, linebacker coach and coordinator for the Patriots um, through some of their championship years. And then he went over to the Baltimore Ravens, was the linebacker coach and also the defensive coordinator. And he retired recently um, and it was going to just basically stay retired from what I, what I read. And then Apparently, Mike Vrabel just kept on hounding him and was just like, hey, you know, come be my coordinator. And somehow it worked. And see, Vrabel was one of his old players. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Also, he brought his son in, and his son's going to be part of the coaching staff. Um, So I always like those kind of situations because it adds a comfort level for the head coach, for one, because he brings in somebody who used to be his coach um, as leadership and guidance and experience. Um, It also kind of gives a family feel. I think he's already got people on his side when, when you're talking about the you know this coordinator they brought in and unretired and also his son and so that's cool and so then it, then it brings us to really what matters for us in dynasty and fantasy football which is the offense and so they brought in Matt LaFleur so he came from the Los Angeles Rams you know, Sean McVay um, 
coaching staff, coaching tree, I guess, if you want to bring it back, it's to Shanahan and, and who know, you know, like the West Coast offense and down that line. So, but anyway, McVay, there's a lot of, of just you know, these ki- these guys, these younger guys are, you know, finding ways to, to he really coached his team um, to to winning, you know, with Jared Goff and, and just the way that he put everybody in position. It was very clear that the coaching was, was a huge part of their success. And so I don't know with Matt LaFleur, I think that that was one of the reasons. He was the offensive coordinator there. He got essentially a promotion being the offensive coordinator for the Titans mainly because he will be kind of spreading his wings and calling the plays now where I think it was pretty clear that in Sean McVay's offense, it was still going to be McVay calling the plays, and LaFleur was kind of there. I'm not sure what he was doing. He was sitting up in the booth, from what I understand, and, and kind of giving eyes in the sky and giving other, you know, calling plays down or whatever, audibles um, to Goff. So now he won't be doing that, but maybe he has learned from that and, and will be using some of that experience. So what I'm going to give you today is statistics um, that just – are from the Rams, from the Los Angeles Rams um, team stats, but it's kind of just reflecting what I think might happen or what we can question and see what might happen with Tennessee. Because remember, everything we know about Tennessee's offense is complete. It's not really more. It's all, it's gone. That was uh, I think it was Mike Merlarkey and their their uh, exotic Smash Mouth offense is completely gone that's there's nothing to that anymore so we have to really look at what is it they're remaking everything and that's a big part of it so let's let's take a look at really they've got a good quarterback he he struggled last year just similarly to Goff in his rookie year um, so they may want to try to give more you know placement or right, to put him in the right position as opposed to just having him out there winging it um, so anyway, let's let's take a look at some of these stats. I, f- I found some of this stuff interesting. So first thing I wanted to mention was, let's just break down player for player what who's playing where basically um, compared to what the Rams did. So with the Rams, you had you had Robert Woods. I think he was the right the right side wide receiver. Um, that would be Corey Davis. So let's just get that clear. So you got Robert Woods would. Pr- be the Corey Davis position from this is all from what I understand I'm not an expert on this um, but from what I've looked at depth charts and even as they, that's clear, pretty clear to me that that's who that would be um, on the opposite side you got what was the Sammy Watkins role and that would be Richard Matthews and then in the inside slot role which was Cooper Cup you would have Taewon Taylor so when you look at it that from that perspective, and then running back, of course, you got Todd Gurley, which is really hard to duplicate. But you do have Deion Lewis, and you have Derrick Henry. So, combined or one or the other, somehow, that's where we have to figure out. Okay, what does this all mean? So, anyway, I wanted to look. So let's let's look at first Robert Woods' stats. Um, I think myself and everyone included, we all would agree that he had a pretty good season. It was a good season for Robert Woods, and he. I think a lot of us assume he's the number one receiver um, for the Rams. Looking at the statistics, it kind of tells me otherwise. So Robert Woods' season for 2017, he had 56 catches on 85 targets for 781 yards and five touchdowns. Okay. Um, If you compare that to Cooper Cup, who was the slot receiver, he had 62 catches for 869 yards and five touchdowns. So same number of touchdowns. He had six more catches, um, and he had about a little less than 100 yards more. 
So he had more yards. And, and here's the interesting, a couple of interesting statistics. So he had 94 targets. He had almost 10 more targets playing out of the slot. Um, and he also had 23 red zone targets to Cooper to uh, Robert Woods is nine red zone targets. Um, so that's really fascinating to me that Cooper Cup out of the slot had by far the most red zone targets um, for for the Rams last year, and it really wasn't even close. Um, I think the other ones were nine and uh, ten and nine. Um, Gurley had a number of those. He had ten. And then some of the tight ends had a few. It was kind of spread out after that. But basically, there was nothing even close to the number of red zone targets that Cooper Cup had. And sure, he only had five touchdowns. But those targets, that's just really valuable for, for Dynasty. And so what does that mean? Well, we're looking at Taylor Taylor. I mean, because, yes, Corey Davis, he's the talent. And I've been t- I talked him up a little bit. And, and, but I'm looking at these numbers, and I'm like, wow. If they really do pre- present that same kind of offense, that's that's the slot receiver. That's Taewon Taylor. That's not you know uh, Corey Davis. And, and they maybe maybe that's not a guarantee. Maybe they they start moving people around and have Rashard Matthews because Rashard Matthews is not necessarily Sammy Watkins and the deep threat in that same kind of sense. But you know it's hard to say exactly how that offense is going to roll. So we'll, we'll get to more of that. I wanted to run over a few more statistics and then you just kind of it'll kind of bring it to light. So let's go to Todd Gurley next. So he had 279 carries for 1,305 yards and 13 touchdowns rushing. That's just that's a great season. But what's really interesting is just go over to his passing. Let's just, just eliminate. That was just good. That's great. Rushing everything, all the touchdowns, 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns. That's great. He had 87 targets as a receiver out of the backfield. 64 catches, 788 yards, and six touchdowns. So I just told you Cooper Cup had 62 catches for 869 yards and five touchdowns. Well, Todd Gurley had a few more catches, a little less yards, and an extra touchdown. And he had, you know, like I said, 10 red zone targets, and he had all these rushing yards. So clearly, as he was the offensive force. Now, is that because Todd Gurley is such a great player? Possibly, but it also just points to the fact that they they really like to use their running backs. Um, so then you kind of look down one other statistic I wanted to point out, um, was Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. This is for, for the, the Rams. They combined for 41 catches, 539 yards and three touchdowns. So that's really, I mean, that's two tight ends together. And so when you compare that to the 92 catches, 964 yards and five touchdowns, that Delaney Walker and Johnny Smith combined for, and mainly Delaney Walker with his 74 catches, 803 yards, and three touchdowns, it makes you wonder, okay, so who's who's going to pay the price here? You've got Todd Gurley with these numbers that, that maybe can't be matched. You've got, on, on, you know, on one side, you've got Corey Davis, who's this breakout star. You've got Taewon Taylor, who is going to be playing the role that seems to be you know, most productive, at least in the sense from that offense, they like to check the ball down. I, I read some of their statistics somewhere that they had like 85% of their plays, they had four receivers or three receivers on the field. So they literally had just a, like never had a Cooper Cup not on the field almost. You know, it's basically he's this full-time starter as the slot receiver. So I think that's a big deal. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to duplicate that because, like I said, with Delaney Walker, you have a different weapon. 
So maybe that that Cooper Cup role, that that slot role, is is diminished a little bit because of the Delaney Rocker presence. Um, maybe the running backs don't get quite. Because I I looked into the stats for uh, Deion Lewis and for uh, Derek Henry as well, and I found those a little interesting. I assume that Deion Lewis is a, is a great pass catcher. I've seen him him out of the backfield. He really does seem to catch, but the numbers don't necessarily bear it out. He had 180 carries for 896 yards and six touchdowns, which was a solid year, and especially since he didn't take over that main role for, for a little while. He kind of shared different parts. But he only had 32 catches for 214 yards and three touchdowns, which is good, but it's not great. He only had 35 targets, so he caught you know a huge percentage of his targets. Um, but still, I wasn't overly blown away by that number, especially when you compare it to Gurley's, which was you know more than double, double the catches and, and almost trip, more than triple the yards. And double the touchdowns. I mean, it's just huge. And so, and then you look at Derrick Henry, and he had 176 carries for 744 yards and five touchdowns, which is, you know, barely over four yards a carry, which is decent but not great. And and I looked down some of his, you know, games, and he just really wasn't. Even when when they didn't have uh, Demarco Murray going, it just didn't seem like Henry was all that effective. You know, and that was when they had like kind of a more of a smash. I don't know if they had a fullback or not, but the smash mouth football and built for him. That's the style that he's built to play, and it really wasn't effective. Deion Lewis um, playing more out of the shotgun, which I think the Rams do much more shotgun. At least they did with Jared Goff. You've got a guy who who played a lot out of the shotgun and seemed more successful. So he had five yards of carry, or I think he had more than five yards of carry with the you know eight hundred nine yards. So that is more impressive. And then you look at Derrick Henry. He only had 11 catches for 136 yards, which is decent yards per catch, um, but only on 17 targets, and he had one touchdown. It's just kind of one of those things where it's, it is a weird situation to me because if they are going to duplicate that similar offense, then something is going to have to give, um, or Deion Lewis or Derrick Henry is going to have to play a little different. And So I guess as I, as I sum this up and I kind of take a few little hot takes, uh, one of the things I think I see from this is that I don't see Derrick Henry. I see Derrick Henry, maybe he, he, if he did take over that first down and second down role, like a lot of people say he's going to, I think maybe they might get frustrated with him, just like uh, the Patriots did with Gillisley last year, where you don't have, when you have a guy like that on the field, it takes away that ability to pass the ball to your running back on those downs. And I think they like to throw the ball to their running backs and on those early downs, if you lose that ability, then you kind of lose your play calling flexibility. So to me, that's a, it's kind of a big deal. And I think that uh, maybe in, in the end, that might earn Deion Lewis um, a little bit more time, playing time, or at least those crucial plays um, where they really need somebody who can both go between the tackles and, and make catches. And like I said, the numbers don't bear out Deion Lewis to play the catching, um, but I think we all have seen it. And even though they probably want to limit his touches, the more I think about this situation, you know, they come in and, and they take over this team. And one of the first things they do is go out and sign Deion Lewis, who is paid like one of the top five running backs. So if they're looking at their offense and they're saying, okay, we are set at running back, then they don't do that. If they're looking at their offense and they're saying, we need a replacement, something that similar to what we got out of Todd Gurley because it's such a huge part of our offense, as you see. Um, who are we going to go get? And then they go, okay, let's go get Deion Lewis, and that's who they pay, and they pay him money, and he's shown that he can run between the tackles, and he's a little injury-prone, but so you have Derrick Henry. But that doesn't, that doesn't say to me 
that, that they're in a sharing or that Derrick Henry has somehow earned um, this starting role and that Deion Lewis is a complimentary piece. That says to me that Deion Lewis is the guy, and I know that people make that argument. And, and let me make a disclaimer right here, right now. Um, this is like, uh, you know, I listen to some financial podcasts, and at the end of the podcast they always say, like, disclaimer, these people might own these stocks, and they might give you their opinion based on these so let me just tell you, I own a ton of shares of Deion Lewis. Um, I really do. And so, and I own a ton of shares of Taewon Taylor. So I am a little bit biased in this. But I will say I looked at these numbers kind of unbiased. Just wanted to see what I'd find out. And I was a little disappointed in, in the past catching numbers by Deion Lewis. But I was also just kind of still intrigued by the fact that when you look at this offense, they really want to use their running backs for that offense. And they also want to use them in the pass catching. And I don't know that Derrick Henry is going to, fulfill that I think that that clearly is going to be Deion Lewis and, and probably he's going to get more than you think just because they need somebody who can you know present the dual threat um, and I'm not sure that Henry has proven he can do that in fact you know I, I guess he has proven he can catch the ball a little bit but he's just this big he's a big guy he's tall he's lumbering it's much easier to cover a guy like that if they if you're trying to get somebody who's kind of quick and I, I think they Throw a lot of over-the-middle kind of passes. They're just kind of dumping the ball off. You want a guy who's quick and stuff. You don't want just a guy who's lumbering because the linebackers will just tackle him real quick. So, yeah, the other situation that I, I think bears at least looking at is the Delaney-Walker situation just because if you look at the numbers coming from the Rams, they didn't really utilize the tight ends, and maybe that is because it's Higby and it's uh, Gerald Everett who, you know, young, unexperienced tight ends, so they just chose to use other players. But Cooper Cup was a rookie as well and maybe an advanced rookie. Um, but, the, you know, they used uh, Reynolds as well, and he was a rookie who was still developing. So it's I think that they had, and they had Tavon Austin making some plays and stuff. It was not, the Rams really spread the ball around, and we might see that. So that's the other, the kind of other take I have is that the real winners, I think, of this offense, if, if you're looking at it, is Marcus Mariota, which I think if you if you looked at the offense before uh, for Goff, it lifted him up and, and it put him in a good position. And Mariota is, is maybe a better prospect, maybe not a better passing prospect, but he's got the legs uh, to add that dimension and then put on top of that the weapons he has. Um, I think that there's potential for him to really just succeed just because you put all those guys around him. Like I said, you put in Taewon Taylor in the Cooper Cup role. You have Corey Davis playing the Robert Woods role. I think that's definitely an upgrade. Um, maybe a downgrade with Shaw Matthews trying to trying to play that Sammy Watkins role. Um, but Watkins, I think that was the other one. Sammy Watkins had 39 catches for 593 yards. He did have eight touchdowns, but he had 70 targets. Um, so maybe that's a Goff thing, Goff not being accurate, or maybe that's a Watkins thing and just a, a bunch of deep passes that didn't work out. Um, either way, I look around those three receivers and I don't see any of them really being all that great. You know, when you when you look at the season and think, yeah, that was a, a quality season for the Rams. Really, fantasy wise, it was a great season for Todd Gurley. It was a good season for Jared Goff, and everybody else kind of had a good to mediocre season. Um, nobody was was really that great. So when we look over at the t at the Titans, I think we have to look at it the same way, which is. Who of the receivers is going to break out or at least exceed their value? And I think it's Taewon Taylor right now. And then you look at Mariota, who is is likely to exceed his value because he's got those weapons in a new offense. Um, and then I think who's going to be, you know, be kind of decreased a little bit? I think it's Delaney Walker um, and maybe even Corey Davis a little bit. I'm kind of now thinking that maybe he's just not going to be 
there's not going to be enough in that pie for him to be this huge number one uh, overall guy, kind of like I, you know, a lot of people are expecting, and, and I, you know, I've been even buying shares of him. And uh, that would be pretty much it, I think. Um, you know, looking at everybody else, so Dion Lewis would be the other one, I think, um, where I, I just kind of my gut tells me Dion Lewis is the play. And granted, like I said, when you when you have shares of somebody, you try to find reasons to convince yourself, regardless of whether you, you know you're trying to be biased or not. So I, I maybe I just can't see the other side of that. Um, but for this segment, what I'm going to be doing is just a real quick one-player profile, uh, rookie profile, kind of like I did in that episode a few a few episodes back, um, but just doing one player. So player A that we're going to talk about here. He's running back when he came out. He was 6'3", 247 pounds. I don't see really a 40 time for him. We had a, he ran a 4'5", 440, 22 bench reps at the combine, 37-inch vertical, 130-inch broad jump, and a 7'2", three-cone drill. Um, his analysis coming from NFL.com said he's a big running back. He can be a violent runner. He pummels tacklers. Uh, rare top-end speed for a runner his size. He led the nation in missed tackles forced with 60. Um, his weaknesses, he had a lot of touches. He is tall and a long strider. He has average foot quickness. And they projected him to be a second-round draft pick. The second guy, player B, you probably already know who I'm talking about here. He's probably already jumped on these, but this is fun. He he came out this year as six foot one, 228 pounds, 452, 14 bench press, 40 vertical inch, 129 broad jump, and a 434 20 yard shuttle. So no three cone. Um, but same kind of strengths tapered, powerful physique, uh, punisher behind his pads. He plays with steady tempo. He can thump in blitz pickup. He will always fall forward once he gets ahead of steam behind him. His weaknesses. He plays with an upright running style. He is, his durability is a concern. Um, he's a long strider. He's too big and leggy. Um, his burst is below average. Same, same similar thing. So the first player is Derrick Henry. We were just talking about the Titans. Um, when he came out, he was he was actually graded pretty high, um, and he he was a round two pick. Um, but interesting to me is is that. You don't notice these same size players being graded out as high, and that's because player B, Bo Scarborough, came out of the same college, is similar type prospect, maybe a little more injury prone, not quite as big, but pretty much just as fast. Um, you know, like not as a great good a prospect, but they both played at Alabama, like I said. So you're, you're looking at two guys who one was drafted in the second round and one was drafted in the seventh round. And maybe the only difference is the, the dynamic in which the league has changed. And those big thumper-type running backs, the coordinators don't have a lot of use for them. They just have a hard time finding ways to use them because they need to get up to speed, which means they need an offensive line that's kind of pushing everybody back, creating big holes for them. And, and I, from my understanding, offensive linemen really can perfect one or the other as far as run blocking or pass blocking where they can try to be versatile but if you have them trying to be too many things they're not going to be successful so usually good run blocking offensive lines are good at run blocking and good pass protection and or you have certain things that work so 
if you're if you're focusing on doing all of these things and having this this dynamic passing game, I don't think you really want to try to build in this this thumper style offense. And so, guys like Derrick Henry, I guess what I'm getting the point I'm getting to is I just feel like guys like Derrick Henry, when you look at the way they're being drafted right now in dynasty leagues, Derrick Henry still has this appeal to people, and people are looking at him and, and taking him in a position that just really doesn't make sense to me. He he's being treated kind of like he's still a number one back or he's and, and I just have these concerns about it and then I look at Bo Scarborough coming out and nobody's touching him he literally is undrafted through the entire rookie draft of every rookie draft I've been in you can get him past I mean I'm taking guys like John Kelly uh, Mark Walton as I talked about uh, just different running backs that Jordan Wilkins I'm, I'm getting plenty of shares of um, which by the way you know I talked about Jordan Wilkins I did a player profile on him and I forgot to mention one thing about him, which is if you look at his highlights, he plays against all SEC competition. I mean, I think he had 150 carries for 1,000 yards, which is like six yards a carry. And it's, you look at his highlights, it's Alabama, it's LSU, it's Arkansas, and, and like that's the majority of it. It's like Tennessee or something. It's like all teams, you're like, whoa. This, and and at five, five of his carries – um, in, in that highlight maybe, are all Alabama. And I read somewhere that he only had like seven carries against Alabama. So if five of them made his highlight reel, and you're talking about Alabama that having the most pro players, especially from defense, of any team. So it just, I thought that was really interesting. And I forgot to mention that, that Jordan Wilkins, man, a guy had six yards of carry or something. He played in the SEC. He dominated in a way on the carries he got. He's shown versatility, explosion. He's had some off-the-field pro- problems, but running backs, the thing about running backs is you don't need them to know to show much more than they've shown um, in college. They can, If they can do it, they can grab the ball and run. In college, they can usually do it in the pros, and if you can do it in the LSUs and the Alabamas, it's most likely you can do it in the pros. So that one's interesting to me, and keep, keep an eye on Jordan Wilkins. He's kind of maybe raising up boards, but I've gotten some shares of him after rookie drafts are over. Um, and so to me, he's he's still available for fairly cheap, um, but maybe not for long. That one could be shifting. Um, but anyway, back to the Bo Scarborough. I think that that one, either Scarborough is being way undervalued or Derrick Henry is being way overvalued because I don't think they're that much different players, and yet they're being valued so much differently. And so if you're a big Derrick Henry guy and believe in Derrick Henry, then you need to be getting out there and getting Bo Scarborough because he's probably going to be the Zach backup for Zeke. And so what if you know he's a backup? That's still if you really believe in that the, that talent, then there's a guy just like Derrick Henry just sitting there for you free. Um, but if you're kind of like me, where you're wondering, this kind of points more to wondering if Derrick Henry is even you know that coveted by his very own team. And, and I think that you know when I look at these numbers and I look at the coaching staff coming in, so that that's what I'm going to be doing more of is looking at each coaching staff that's changed and uh, seeing if I can't rummage up something for us um that's that's of some value and you know like i said don't take everything i have to say to heart i am not a scout i don't know this stuff i'm guessing um but i i do make educated guesses and i do have a lot of shares of Deion lewis and when i read this i felt pretty good i was feeling excited i wasn't so sure about this situation i just read how derrick henry is going to get the most carries but maybe Deion lewis gets the most yards whatever that means but to me it just points all to the fact that Deion Lewis is getting used, and the more that I look at how Todd Gurley was used, the more I see Deion Lewis kind of fitting that role better than Henry does, and the Titans will figure that out at some point, especially if they're winning, 
and and uh, Mariota wants to throw the ball to those running backs. And then we have to look at it also that Mariota is going to run the ball. There's going to be some dynamics that'll change, so maybe that'll take away from stuff. When he's in there, they they have that uh, ability as well. So anyway, that is the podcast. Thank you for listening. I uh, just, I'm going to try to throw these out there a little more often if I can get a small little window here. We're having put my kids down and just kind of uh, feeling a little inspiration after reading this. Uh, kind of like oh this this coordinator came over here and going oh cow this guy you know like literally. I just didn't. I never looked at these stats with, with a, you know, like a comb, and really just kind of. I, I didn't. I just assumed Robert Woods was the best receiver, but really, if you look at it, Cooper Cup was the best receiver, and in a way, Todd Gurley was really the best receiver for the Rams, and that's and that's crazy because he was also the in their their main running back. He was their star, and maybe that's a reflection on Todd Gurley, but at the same time, that also shows that that offense, you know, it utilized a lot of different people, and running backs was key to that. And they went out and bought, you know, Deion Lewis for, for probably that purpose or close to it. Um, so that that is my takeaway. Deion Lewis is looking good after looking at, at kind of the, the Matt LaFleur possible influence um, here with the Tennessee Titans. Anyway, if you want to get a hold of me, you can email the show at bigknowledgefootball at gmail.com. If you want to hear more episodes like this, you can go back and listen to past episodes if you're new to the show. Um, or you can stay tuned. I will be trying to put out whenever I have little windows. Um, Thanks for listening, and have a great day.